Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Hey, I'm your rock star host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz, your place to grow a business during complete chaos. We got another great episode slated for today. First, though, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can join the channel. You can become a member of our community here on YouTube. Smash that join button for as little as three bucks a month. That's three. One, two, three, three dollars a month. You can become a baby shark and you help this channel grow. You help cover cover some of the costs. And that would be so amazing if you felt that we've earned your membership like that. But if donating money through YouTube isn't your thing, I got a better way for you to do it. And that's going to our coffee brand, deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. You get 20% off and all the proceeds directly support us producing the biggest and best show that we possibly can. So let's get back to today's episode. We're going to chat about purpose. I mean, more specifically, doing good at work. You may have had a job that you used to be thrilled about, and now all of a sudden it just doesn't make you feel as good as it used to. You may feel like your talent, your ability, it's just wasting away. And it's time for that to stop. For me, doing this podcast since my day job, Vision 33, so graciously allows me to do this show, it really gives me a sense of purpose. I'm building a community. It's helping people change their personal, their professional lives, as well as helping them break through all those bottlenecks that are preventing growth for their business. So I view it that, yes, I'm doing good at work, and you should be too. So who is today's guest? None other than B. Bocalandro. B. is the author of Do Good at Work, How Simple Acts of Social Purpose Drive Success and Well-Being, which was selected by three-time New York Times bestselling author Adam Grant as a top 30 new book. She is also president of VeraWorks, a global consulting firm specializing in workplace purpose. She's helped dozens of large and small businesses, including IBM, Disney, FedEx, PwC, Toyota, and QVC, ignite their purpose in the workspace. So, hey, without further delay, let's get B audit here. Personal growth. Hey, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. I am so happy to be bait. <laughs> uh, that's good. You I, would not believe how many people actually say that. And it's like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> but anyways, you know, thank you so much for coming on here. And we have a tradition on this show. Very first question. It's always the same thing. Okay. It's a loaded question. So watch out. 
what's your experience? What's your background? How did you get where you are? What do you do? Basically, help everybody out there watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify or iTunes. What makes B B? That is a loaded question. I know. That's why that's why I tell everybody. We started off with an easy question. It's a softball. And then they're like, oh my God, where do I start? Yeah, you know, I I feel like at my core, I'm a privileged global citizen. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since I've heard the word global citizen. Yeah. So, you know, when I graduated from high school, I had gone to nine different schools. Wow. I wasn't kicked out of any of them. My sister was, (laughs) but I wasn't. (laughs) That's good. But nine different schools. Nine different schools. So nine, nine different times I was, you know, walking to school or being driven to school going like, I don't know anybody in my class nine before I graduated from high from you know high school. Yeah. And then I went to college in uh you know not the place I grew up. So I feel like even though I was born in Venezuela, I'm a you know to Venezuelan parents and mm-hmm. um but we moved around a lot and we lived in the US for part of that time when I was growing up. So I just, I never felt like this, this nation state designation of where you're from. It just never worked for me. I mean, certainly city didn't work. And the reason I went to nine different schools is because my, we moved around a lot. So I felt like I was part of the globe, uh, but not part of. You know, I, one nation I state. feel that way too. And the reason is, is because people are like, David, it's easy. You're a white guy from rural cold country, Pennsylvania. You're from Pottsville, Pennsylvania. I'm like, no, it's not that easy. I moved to Tijuana, Mexico when I was like literally 18. I think it was two months after September 11th. Okay. And I've lived out there primarily from the age of 18. Now, we did live in San Diego for a couple years, but the ironic thing is I was actually crossing into Mexico to work every day for work. So, I mean, I was still down there for more than half of each week. I have a Mexican green card. Um, I did live in in Peru for a while and have had some extended stays down there because my wife uh, is Peruvian. And it's kind of like, you know, at this point in my life, I spent more time living in Mexico and having that an impact on my life from the early adult age of learning of how the world works compared to going through just elementary school, learning how to read and write in Pennsylvania. Like, it's weird. Like, technically, yeah, I am from Pennsylvania, but I don't really feel that way because I felt that living in Mexico had a way bigger impact on my life. And it it does give me a level of confliction. Is that kind of what you're talking about there? Is, is Is that kind of level? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny that you use the word conflictual because for a lot of my life, I felt like, the different parts of me were in conflict and you know we mm-hmm. have both moved around so much that we have 
Pennsylvania in common. So I lived in Pennsylvania. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what are the chances of that, you know? Yeah, but it's because yeah. we, we're, both, we both ended up here. <laughs> yeah. How crazy of a world. Yeah. Like maybe two hours, an hour to two hours apart. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not there any longer to uh, kind of prove my point. I'm in Southern California uh, now. Oh, but, and I just moved from Southern California, so we're good. See? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't chase you out. But no, no, it's no. funny that you use that word conflictual because I used to feel the conflict. So I used to like just, you know, be be around, you know, people in Venezuela and they would, you know, say something that I didn't resonate for me. I was just like, well, that's it just seemed narrow or something uh, like. The mindset that yeah right. yeah the mindset or or the positions like the mm-hmm. positions are established if you're Venezuelan then you know Colombians are trying to steal this strip of land and I'm be like that's not like wait my a prim- second <laughs> what, what's the backstory and then I'm like oh my god I think the Colombians are right like I think this belongs to them you know so that, that's, that, was, that, that sounds like my wife talking about Chilenos you know yeah. people from Chile and. Oh my God! Even with the alcohol, pisco, and uh, I have to hear about the Chileans all the time. So I can definitely right. relate yeah. to those South American, um, you know, interregional struggles with that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, you know, so I, it's, I, I guess it's like I just didn't feel. Oh no! But I was going to say the the for a long time I felt the conflict and then at some point i felt the complexity but no longer the conflict so this is hope for you because i'm older than you (laughs) so um no this is hope for you because i feel like there's a complexity and there's more nuances if Mm -hmm. you if you relate to all these different places sometimes that have dramatically uh conflictual point of views but you don't have to you don't have to internalize that conflict. It could, right. it could just be kind of like a, like a complex, beautiful, like kaleidoscope type thing yeah, rather yeah. than, oh, these two things don't go together. So I right. don't feel the conflict any longer. I just kind of, I just kind of figured out a way to make it work. And I yeah. definitely agree because like you were saying about that with, um, with uh, Venezuela and those feelings. And I really felt that way a lot growing up in Pottsville. I think I've said this story on the podcast before, but people, you know, grandfather, other people, I'd be telling them like ideas, dreams, and they're like, boy, get your head out of the clouds. You ain't doing that. And it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, (laughs) like this is, I don't know. It was just like, yeah, my first chance to get out of there, I did. But then when I moved to Tijuana, um, I was actually living most of my life. Now, yeah, in Baja, it's a totally different culture than if you went to some place like Mexico City, Oaxaca, or Guadalajara, or any of the other great locations down there in Mexico. Baja is kind of more of a hybrid, kind of like how San Diego is, you know, just really chill and laid back, I'd say. But when I moved down there, I ended up 
in uh, Tijuana. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the the city structures down there, but mm -hmm. they do things in colonias, which is basically oh, sure. like neighborhoods. Okay, yeah. so yeah. colonias would be colonies in English, and it's kind of like uh, like little neighborhoods. And the one that I ended up moving into because I was a poor 18-year-old American living in Mexico, crossing the border every single day to work in San Diego, um, was a very underdeveloped neighborhood. Like, it was mm. very ghetto. And I actually think that that led to some of my success living down there because living in that environment, they had a lot of the mentality, like you were saying about uh, Venezuela, where you were at, or where I'm from in Pennsylvania, a lot of that type of mentality and thinking was in this smaller um, portion of, of um, uh, Tijuana, where I was living. And I think it kind of also gave me that like home feeling, because these people thought and felt kind of like they did at home, but yet... Once I walked outside of that little colonia where I ended up eating and sleeping every night, like to go out and about or to go, um, you know, work or whatever it may be, that's where it was like I was in a totally different world around more people that maybe they didn't believe everything I did, but they had more open mindsets like I did yeah. around a lot of things. And I don't know, it yeah. kind of gave me that balance. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're open to it, I, I, I mean, I love what you just said, because it's like, home can be anywhere, right? It's, yep. it's, it's like where there's support, there doesn't have to be like an understanding or uh, you, you don't even really have to fully understand someone to, mm -hmm. to give them a space where they feel at home. You just need to you know, be supportive and, you know, treat them with dignity. And like, that's what they were doing mm -hmm. for you. Right. Oh, yeah, I mean, they, they probably couldn't understand half the things in your past or what you were talking about, but, but. You know, I thought it was funny home. that I couldn't, I couldn't speak Spanish at the time. And when I did, it was very bad Spanish. So they loved to make fun of me. Uh, they thought it was cool to make fun of me in front of my face, but then eventually I learned and uh, I was able to give it back to them. And then, you know, they're like, Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, you had to kind of fight for everything you have, you know, fight for earning the, the respect of the people that um, was living with. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a unique experience. It really formulated me into who I am. So I'm glad that you saved that because I think that's something that I can definitely relate to. And I think a lot of people don't have that experience. Maybe like what we would call military brats that have moved around, stuff like that. But yeah. I don't think a lot of other people really have that experience to, to that degree, especially when you're talking multi-countries and stuff like yeah. that. And it is it is something something unique and i i think even as a country one of the things that you brought up was was nuance i think people have forgotten how nuanced lives are whether it's a political point of view or whether it's business too many people i think are just getting so black and white now 
and they're not looking at things at a deeper level to really understand the nuances and understand why are things actually like that and see the whole picture. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. It just means that you can actually understand at least that point of view, why this business operates like this or this does that. And I, I think that's something that, um, you know, is important to, to create the awareness around that, there are that that we're forgetting the nuances of life that does exist and how to live and work within those nuances and not just be like black and white right and wrong you know what i mean yeah absolutely amen yeah yeah I agree. but <laughs> yeah. so let's jump into i i'm sure everybody on youtube has noticed I have this awesome book here um, that came with a beautiful note as well as a awesome signature. Everybody knows I love collecting all the books from uh, the speakers that come here onto the show. And I really just love the, the title of it because of the fact that it's do good at work. And, you know, the subheader is how simple acts of social purpose drive success and well-being. So we'll get into how you can get the book and stuff like that later. But right now, I mean, why did you write the Do Good at Work? Who is this book meant for? What's the purpose of this book? So... <clears throat> Uh, like when I was in my early thirties, I I had last this year. <laughs> last year, yes. <laughs> uh, thank see, you. See, I see. really appreciate that. Yeah, You're no my problem, favorite right? podcast host. Yeah, just uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I um, I had. I had a job that I liked. It was doing data analysis. I was uh, recently out of grad school. And I, I'm a nerd. I love doing data analysis. You ah, give me a database great. to like play with. And I, I liked it for a while. And then I stopped liking it. And I couldn't figure out why. My husband at the time was just noticing how I was like less and less inspired by my job. And mm -hmm. he, he said, uh, quit. And I was like, quit? Are you out of your mind? Like, this is the job I like tried so hard to get after grad school because it was doing the type of data analysis that I really love doing. And, um, but yet three, three weeks later, I quit that job. And yeah. what his explanation was, you know, you are too wonderful uh, for lame work. Um, and that, I, I, did that it resonate with you? It, it didn't at first, which is why, like, this is crazy. And I mean, I had every reason, like, it's ridiculous to quit. Like, mm -hmm. I'm getting paid well. I have a great supervisor. My coworkers are pretty great. They only make me pull out my hair out, you know, occasionally, you know. Every other day. Every other day, <laughs> instead of every hour, you know. Yeah. So, but that pivot made me think, wait a second maybe work should feel 
like should draw you in and should feel meaningful. And I, and I fortunately had an example of a father who, who embodied that, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, kind of fast forward to where I am now and what I've done in between that time when my ex-husband said, you know, you should quit. And I eventually did, you know, a few weeks later to now uh, that journey, what I learned in retrospect is that the reason that job stopped working for me was because even though I was doing my passion, that is what I love to do, which was this Mm -hmm. data stuff. um, It didn't have social purpose. Right. So it, I, I couldn't say at the end of the week that like, anything was brighter or better or happier or that you know there was a child smiling more like I couldn't point to any meaningful difference that I was making and you should see how many you should see how many kids smile just because of this podcast (laughs) well I love this show (laughs) well my kids do at least my three-year-old watches it all the time yeah that's social purpose right there and so so what this book is, this book is for anybody who found themselves where I was then, which was like kind of with my head in my hands going like, what went wrong? Like, why isn't my job pulling me in any longer? And mm-hmm. we know that for the vast majority of workers, the key reason, the number one reason is because it doesn't have social purpose. And that means that it doesn't make a contribution to others or to the world, like you don't feel like it makes a meaningful difference. And so this book is for it's like, if that's you right now, um, you don't have to quit your job. I quit Mm -hmm. my job, but you actually don't have to, you can stay at that job that you chose for some (laughs) reason, like either it pays well, or it's convenient, or you're doing what you love, you're designing dresses, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, you can keep that job. But you can do things within that job to sit down on Friday and go like, I am proud of what I did this week. So yeah. that's what that's what this book uh hopefully does for people. It gives them the warm and fuzzies in other words. <laughs> <laughs> well, the book gives you yeah, it gives you like the what you need to do to have the warm and fuzzies at work. Yeah. And it's you know, it's designed to be relatively short. Um <laughs> it was a lot longer before I made it shorter and then it's it's designed to be easy to read so you know, I I was completely thrilled that Adam Grant, the four-time best-selling author, um, what he said about the book, which is right on the cover, he said it's actionable and fun to read because that's what I was trying to do is like, because I, you know, everybody deserves a job with meaning, whether you're really into reading or not. So if mm-hmm. you're not into reading, I want to make this book accessible um, so that you can have meaningful work. Right. So that it it can be an easy read. I think so many books, like they've got good content and this translates to podcasts too. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts before I launched a show and a lot of them, especially in the sales business, all that stuff, really, really good info. But I mean, they were kind of boring uh, they didn't have the personality flares or whatever. And that's where 
I was like, hey, I'm going to change mine up. I mean, you've heard the intro to how this show is. It's my buddy's band guitar riff with this, uh, you know, the action movie guy who does the promos yeah. on TV. And uh, I got a deep network of people. So, you know, I pulled them together. Hey, hook me up. Do me a favor. They all do this stuff. And, you know, it's about having fun, doing good, but at the same time, You've got to do it so that whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, that it is enjoyable, it's easy to read. A great example of a book is I have an intern on this show, Tyler Isley. There you go. I gave you your shout out. And I just gave him a book because he does not have prior sales experience, but you know, he really wants to learn from me sees everything that I'm doing and he's like David help me get to the next level take me under your wing I'm like okay I'll do it so I I told him like you've got to read this book it's a really easy read it's a really light read and I gave him Jeffrey Gittimer's Little Red Book of Selling Mm -hmm. and he started reading it and I had no idea if he would actually read it or not, but his response was, wow, like this book is, it's about boring stuff, big sales, business, stuff like that. But it's a light read, meaning that it's easy to read and it's fun and it puts it in an easy, easily digestible format. I think yeah. that's critical to have success with whatever product you're doing. And from what you're saying, it sounds that's exactly what you ended up doing with your book right here. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I try to, and it looks like the readers so far <laughs> agree. <laughs> so including Adam Grant. Yeah. Um, Adam but, Grant you know, does agree. Kind of re- it says it's so on the book. <laughs> yeah. It says yeah. so on the book. Yeah. <laughs> but I uh, no, And that's one of the reasons I, I, you know, I, I'm on this podcast, frankly, David, because I I listened to it and it's like, you, you do have that gift of presenting the information and pulling the information out of your guests so that it's digestible. And I am very attuned to that because it took me five years to to read this. I I mean, to to, not to read this, to write this this. because that, I, I mean, the content wasn't that hard, you know, I mean, I have over 100 examples of people doing this. And those came from my day job, because I help mm-hmm. companies with their social purpose. But, um, but what was hard was to just package it in the way where it felt like a novel. And, right. you know, it is stories of people. And then, you know, there's tons of stories of people. So I, you know, you have to go back to them. And I actually even, um, for fun, you know, it even has drawings. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I draw for fun, and uh, and I was like, well, if I'm if you know if I'm gonna quote people, you know, why not do a drawing as well? Right. Uh, so, you know, that just kind of adds to the yeah. Fun. That, that, I'm with you. That's when that's important. Yeah, no, that that's great too, and that's definitely an ability that. I don't have. I cannot draw. You can play I mean, guitar. You What's play guitar? You play no, guitar? I, I play guitar. So I, I am a I can't creative. <laughs> I'm a creative entrepreneur, but I am not able to draw. I think one of the biggest struggles that I've had was I get the amazing artistic ideas. In my brain, 
I am the best artist you'll probably ever find. You could put me right up there, Van Gogh, okay? But if you ask me to sketch that out, okay, I mean, you're, I'm competing with three-year-olds. It's that bad. And, you know, one of my personal biggest struggles was how do I transform that? I understand that I'm not... I'm not an artist. Uh, I'm not able, I probably could if I practice, but I don't have the time. And, you know, there's people that specialize in that. So it's like, okay, but how do I get that vision out of my head, translated in a form that a true artist then can do it? A good example of that would be like with the, the Shark Bite Biz logo that, I had in my head and I'm like, this is how it should be. And when it gets done, it's like, okay, well, it looked better in my head. So let's tweak this. Let's tweak that. But ultimately, I mean, I've had to work in being able to get that creative stuff out of my head, bottom line, in a way that people, I can enable other people to create it for me at that high level. Yeah. But isn't that the struggle of, every creative person right like yeah the vision is there and then you know how to like for me you know i had this, this idea of what i wanted it to feel like to read the book like i wanted people to to literally like have their pulse go up and be inspired and like have to put the book down and go wait wait i gotta go do this right now yeah um and and then of course want to come back to it and i i knew what it would take for that like i had the vision but then you have to turn it into um into something that is black ink on a white piece of paper yeah <laughs> with 26 characters right like that mm-hmm. is like when it comes you know the mind is so expansive that like having that vision there is 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 kind of the easy part in a sense but then bringing it to reality which is like you know two colors yeah i I think so i think though with you one difference i would say is that like okay for example with the podcast interviews okay i have my vision i'm able to execute myself Okay, as far as yes, it depends on the guest, but I've developed more as a host that even if I get a tough guest for an interview, I now have the skills to be able to still drive it and pull info out of people and turn it into a successful interview. Not so much in some of the earlier episodes, but I was still learning. So I view when you're creating something yourself, like, for example, with your book, your vision, you have a little bit more control of that. Um, Whereas if I'm trying to design an image of something and I have to rely on someone else to interpret what I'm trying to give to them, I I think that's a little bit harder to master when you don't have that full control and you have to rely on somebody else. I agree. I agree. Which is, you know, why I write every single syllable. Like I can understand why people use ghostwriters because, Mm -hmm. but I think that that's a different process. It's just like you have the concepts and you want, you know, you, you, I think it depends on yeah. the type of ghostwriter that but, you're using. If you're using a ghostwriter 
that is full-blown writing an article for you. I kind of frowned on that because it's kind of like you're taking credit for someone else's work in a way. Now, when, uh, like, I've used some ghostwriting things to get some blog posts out and stuff like that, but the thing is, is that I went like, hey, here's essentially a rough draft, okay? Like, here is all the points. This is how I envision it. And I just need someone who can tie this together, almost like a a little bit of writing, more editing, and package it up nicely. I think that's an acceptable form of ghostwriting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think... I mean, to me, they're all acceptable. I just think you move away from that process that you were talking to. You know, I mean, if if because I can see how I mean, I love writing. Uh, so, yeah. but I can see if you really hate writing, but you have a really great concept. Mm-hmm. I think it's reasonable to yeah, to say so. someone else will be, you know, laying the bricks, so to speak. Like at that point, writing is just the crap. It depends. Yeah, yeah. it depends. I think on the topic. Yeah. I think it depends on the the issue. So let's, uh, I have a couple other questions for you. We've spent so much time talking, but I think it's been very valuable information for everybody out there. A lot of different topics we've already hit on. Um, So let's try to move through. uh, You want to rein me in? Yeah, no, no. But we've got about three, three more questions just to kind of go through about, you know, social purpose, stuff like that. Um, and try to move through these a little bit quicker. This stinks. We actually got to try to focus right now. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't tell focus. me that was part focus of the deal. Focus not, is not a specialty. It's shark bite biz. Um, so we went through. We talked about what social purpose is. And I am exactly um, – and I, I think it's important to point out, and correct me if I'm wrong – but when you're saying social purpose, doing good, stuff like that, you're not necessarily talking about um, to the degree of social issues per se. It could be social issues mm-hmm. as part of the answer, but you're talking anything with the social purpose as far as like, for example, my podcast, the social purpose of this is I want to grow personally your conversation has so far has already opened my mind, making me think on some things. And I figured I want to take everybody else for the ride. So I know that there's a lot of business owners out there that listen to the show, managers, directors, young executives, that this is having an impact on them. Okay. But it's a totally non-political, non-social, you know, issue type, Purpose. So you, that's what you mean by social purpose. A, anything <laughs> under that roof, correct? Um, almost. <laughs> almost. Okay. Yeah. Correctly. Almost. I said correctly. So yeah. Yeah. Wrong. Let me let me clarify a little bit. Yeah. I'm all about your growth, um, mm-hmm. but that is not social purpose. Okay. So by definition, social purpose. Um, you know, and you know, um, Viktor Frankl used this term self transcendent. So it it has to be beyond yourself. You're not doing it for yourself. Your own growth is a noble thing to do, but it's still uh-huh. uh, like self-oriented. Right. So social purpose is anything that you do for others or for a societal cause. So you're 
this podcast is all about contribution because you're helping entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, what I mean, exactly. Businesses. I mean, the way that I phrase it, it makes it sounds like, oh, I'm doing it just for me and taking people no, along no, no. for the ride. But I mean, the truth is, if it was just for me, you and I would be having a one-on-one -on -one conversation that wouldn't be public for the whole world to see. Right. Right. This is actually contributing to help yeah. others, you know, do their thing. Right. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that part is social purpose. So that's why I said almost like just yeah. one part wasn't, but you could, and you could say, you know, the, the key concept in the book is job purposing, which is you, you mess with your job to push the boundaries out so that there's more, more social purpose to it. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you, um, if, if you just decided, you know what, every third episode, I'm going to, have um someone from a nonprofit to right. get word out um on something you know awareness on an issue out there so now suddenly you're you're now uh bringing in a different social purpose a new social right. purpose and you are now doing what the key concept in the book is which is job purposing okay Okay. Or even if yeah. you said, you know what, like um, when I and you, you might already be doing this, actually, like when I hire people on my team, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to uh, deliberately hire, you know, at risk youth right. or, you know, so now you're you know that you're helping with, you know, social equity out there. So in or you could, you know, so there's a million ways to do this to any job. And so including yours. Right, right, right. It's part of exactly. your job. I know you do other things as well. Oh, a lot of things. Just <laughs> launched a, a coffee brand called Dead House Coffee. There oh, you did go. Did you really? Wow, yeah, Dead House Coffee because we're all zombies in the morning before we drink our lovely coffee and oh. it transforms you back to a human being. Wow. So, there you go. That's fantastic. Uh, I love that tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually, it's Dead House Coffee. Get back mm -hmm. to life. <laughs> so awesome. yeah yeah so now let's look we're in that glo this darn global pandemic just doesn't want to end okay did 2020 change the relationship businesses have with social purpose yeah i, I it it intensified it yeah uh, yeah and broadened it so I mean, I had never been as busy in terms of kind of helping individuals that had nothing to do with social purpose for, you know, mm -hmm. the prior 20 years, kind of helping them through it. So uh, like how to bring it to their business. So, I, you know, we've all seen the examples. We've seen, right. you know, we everything from, uh, you know, alcoholic beverage companies saying, oh, wait, we can make sanitizer. But or, right. or even like the local burrito store saying, well, we can't we can't serve in our restaurant, mm -hmm. but we can make the burritos and take them to people that might not get food during this shutdown or right. health care workers or feed, feed essential workers. And uh, if anybody wants to help us with that, you know, we've seen we some awesome donate. things happen this yeah, past yeah. year. It's and. And, you know, and those businesses that have done that, mm -hmm. they're, first of all, they're more likely to survive <laughs> um, as a business. So, 
because, you know, they, they kind of, they found a way to keep adding value. They found a way to kind of keep their doors open and, you know, mm-hmm. sure their, their, their finances probably look like really bad. Um, but the other thing is that when we do this, we, we have more energy. We, we make fewer mistakes. Um, we get into flow quicker so that that great feeling where time just goes by like a flash mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you realize I just did six spreadsheets, you know, um, yeah. we get into flow. We're also healthier. Like they actually know that we're less stressed or cortisol drops, the cortisol, mm-hmm. which is the stress hormone. And then the feel good hormones, oxytocin, serotonin and dopamine all go up. So really doing the social purpose or contributing to others or to a societal cause through work is the most natural thing for us to do. Like we are biologically inclined to, to do that and and we benefit from it. That's amazing. Hey, this has been an incredible, incredible conversation. So I've got to ask you two things real quick. One, how can people digitally, please, everybody out there, I am saying digitally, how can people digitally stalk you? And number two <laughs> is where can they find your book? <laughs> yes. So um, you can digitally stalk me on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, my name, anything close to my name brings it up. But we'll have the link to get the direct the link. Oh, okay, great. And yep. then, um, for book, the book is sold everywhere that books are sold, um, yep. you know, but, and you can even ask your library for it, but uh, pull it, get it out of your library. Uh, but for information on the book, go to uh, dogoodatwork.com and you'll find the links to all the bookstores and information on the book. So dogoodatwork.com. Yeah. And we'll throw a direct link down in the description, whether on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you're watching or listening this show, look down below. You'll see the Do Good at Work link. Uh, We'll just link right to Amazon. Make it easy for people just to do those one-click orders for you. Hey, B, thank you so much for coming on. This has been like a deep, fun discussion. I loved it, David. And I yeah. need your coffee. Where do I get oh, it? Deadhousecoffee.com. All right. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to order some. That link right will also be in the description as well, too. <laughs> so <laughs> Thanks, thank David. you. No problem. Thank you. And um, yeah, this has been fun. I'd love to get you back uh, after the pandemic ends, you know, later this year, next year, whenever it is. And uh, we'll talk some more about how things have changed and how businesses and people can do good at work in that current time frame count me in perfect thank you cheers wow that was an awesome chat with b right first you all know the routine if you found this interview helpful if it sparked those warm and fuzzies do me a favor hit the like button smash that subscribe button or if you're on an audio podcast it probably says follow doesn't matter where you're at hit that button, help us grow. We're a community, like-minded individuals that want to grow personally, professionally, want to grow our business. And, you know, the more we have, the stronger we are. 
okay? So definitely help us out, subscribe. But if you really want to do us a solid, please share this video out. Get it on Twitter. Get it on Facebook, on LinkedIn, wherever you go to share your content. Even your company's Yammer feed. But definitely put it out there, okay? I would love nothing more than to see B. Bocalandro and David Strausser with Shark Bite Biz trending. Now let's get back to our rock star guest, B. I feel so connected to her. We both have had such a similar path. I mean, different countries, different stories, but yet so similar. For me, being born in a place that I just didn't feel like I belonged and needed to be part of something bigger and better. I mean, that had me moving to Tijuana, Mexico when I was 18. And since then, I lived in San Diego, Sacramento, Peru, Los Angeles. Now we're back outside of Philadelphia. It's kind of the path that life took me on. I went for the, uh, the ride of life. And the episode before this one, you may remember the discussion that we had with Kirk Barnes about doing that nonlinear path. B and myself, we both have that in common. We do not have those linear paths. And while we are both from some place, we just really don't feel that way. You know, it was also really good to hear once again that we have yet another executive, another, you know, very powerful woman coming on this show essentially saying that one of the best things that she ever did was to quit her job. It may sound drastic, but it is true. Sometimes your job is the hindrance of, you know, that's keeping you from feeling completed. Sometimes your job is what gives you, you know, that feeling, and it really prohibits you. And it wasn't B's place, and she so clearly needed to move on because in B's case, she's clearly needed to move on because now she fulfills her social purpose by showing others how to fill their social purpose. Overall, I just really love talking with B. It was an amazing conversation, and I think the last point that she made was probably the most important, okay? And that was social purpose isn't for your own growth. Social purpose has to be a societal cause, not self-fulfillment. So this podcast, it is helping others grow. And that is a social purpose. Even if I am writing off the coattails of that success. <laughs> but still, you get the point. These book, Do Good at Work. We're going to have the link in Amazon down below. Make sure you check it out. It's a good read. She has her little characters in there that she drew as she was telling us. And the question of the day, what's your feeling on ghostwriting? We discussed that a little bit during the interview. I'd love to have your take on it. Do you agree? Disagree? Where do you think those limits should be? Leave a comment down on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And remember, if you want to be on the show, okay, shoot an email. We got a new email address for you. Interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Once again, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. 
And then just two quick final shout outs. One, make sure you join the channel. Hit that join button, become a baby shark. It is $3 a month. But if you want something more for your money, no problem. We got you covered there as well, too. Head over to deadhousecoffee.com. That's deadhousecoffee.com. Use the code SHARK. You'll get 20% off of all your freshly roasted coffee orders. And all those proceeds go 100% to helping us build a bigger and better podcast for you all. So you all know the routine by now. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.